you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 3.15. Excited to be home tonight, excited for this opportunity and excited for what God is doing right now. I've heard so many good reports on what's going on here at church lately. It only makes me miss church and only makes me miss home that much more. When every, every time I talk to dad, he's always telling me about how good church is doing, the attendance and how well the spirit's been. I just, I'm just so thankful for you guys. Just that song we were singing earlier, I just want to thank you, Lord. Um, that song is, I mean, you can see my dad up here crying, which is normal, but that song, I mean, just the impact of that song, when you really think about the words, just how good God has been to us and how thankful we should be. I mean, I've just been overwhelmed by the goodness of God this year and just how good he's been to me. So I just, I'm thankful for what God is doing in my life, thankful for this church. I'm thankful for you guys. I love you guys like crazy, and I'm happy to be home today. Thankful for the opportunity to be up here, Dad. Thank you for giving us the opportunity as young men to get up here and preach. Uh, share with us, share with you guys what God has put on our hearts. But um, I've been thankful back at college. I've been able, I've been given the opportunity to preach quite a few times. So uh, I hope I have improved a little bit. But uh, I hope that uh, this message tonight will be a blessing to some of you guys. And that it will uh, be not any of my words, but all of God's words. So if you're in Colossians 3.15, let me hear you say amen. That sounded like the majority of you guys. Um, but Colossians 3.15, I'll read it uh, once and I'll ask you guys to read it with me a second time and then I'll pray. And then we'll get right into it tonight. I won't take up too much time tonight. So here we go. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Now let's all read it together. I'll read it a little slower. Uh, here we go. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Tonight, I want to simply talk to you on the fact of be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you so much for everything you do for us, God. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for the opportunity to get up here and speak, God. I pray that I only speak your words. Uh, none of it would be my own words, that you would have full control over me while I preach and full control over Travis and Eric as we preach, that you would use this message and the messages to come to impact the people in a, a positive way, God, and that they would all get something from it. Please be with me as I preach. And I calm my nerves. Thank you for all you do, and I pray. Amen. So I wasn't here a few weeks ago when uh, the School of Prophets was able to come up here and share uh, their thoughts on thankfulness and uh, on what to be thankful for. So uh, I know we just had a major Thanksgiving was this past Thursday, a major holiday. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys, uh, maybe you love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving personally, uh, but how many of you guys can say you like Thanksgiving more than you like Christmas? If that you raise your hand. Okay, I see a few hands. How many of you guys are like me and you love Christmas more than any other holiday? You'll take Christmas every day of the year. Maybe not every day. It wouldn't be as special. But Christmas, I'm a Christmas person. I love Christmas. I love to celebrate Jesus' birth all year long, not just, you know, not just one, uh, one month a year, not just, not just in December. But I love to celebrate all year long. And, uh, you know, but I love Thanksgiving, too. And over the Thanksgiving, I was just thinking, because I was given the opportunity to preach last week on preaching a message on thankfulness, on being thankful. And nowadays it seems like Christians today, we aren't as thankful as we should be. It just always seemed like there's, in November there always seems to be an extra emphasis on Thanksgiving, and uh, not just Christian life, but in any life, uh, really. I mean, you see uh, people posting on social media about being thankful, you know, they try to do the everyday thankful uh, challenge. I've seen uh, people do that before, and there's nothing wrong with that, I love that, but why is it that Christians, we have this thing that uh, Thanksgiving, November is when we're supposed to be extra thankful? Why can't we be that thankful all year long? Why can't we find those same reasons to be thankful all year long and not just once a year? 
this, the sad thing is, like I already said, Christians, we just aren't as thankful as we used to be. Christians nowadays are much like the Israelites back in, back in the Old Testament. When, when, we were, when they were wandering through the desert, there's always something to complain about. There's always something negative. And I'm, I'm not just preaching to you guys. I'm preaching to myself tonight. There's always finding some, we're always finding something to complain about, always something that, that's just we can't seem to find the positive sometimes. I was doing some research on this, and did you know that the average person complains on a, on a daily basis, complains about 15 to 30 times while saying thank you on an average of six times a day? Because we've just become in the habit of just finding the, the, the negative in things, just being complacent about things, complaining about things. Christians aren't thankful anymore. We're always finding something to complain about, always something negative. There's never, there's never anything, never remembering the blessings that we've been given. When in reality, as Christians, we should be pretty much the most thankful as we should be. We have been blessed beyond measure. We've been given blessings in so many things from God. Yet we find the negative and bad things in our lives. And I've even heard Christians say, I have nothing to be thankful for. And that is crazy because we have been given so much. We have so much to be thankful for tonight. So today I want to talk about four simple things that we can remember to be thankful for. First, thankful for freedom. Thankful for freedom. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 3 real quickly. John chapter 3. We're going to be in John the rest of the night, but we'll be flipping through John uh, the rest of the night tonight. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We're all very familiar with these verses. I'm going to read them really quick. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here we have the story of Nicodemus, and that night we find that Nicodemus, he received the freedom that God gives to us. Be thankful for freedom. I could spend all day on this, all, all night on this thought alone, but be thankful for freedom. When I say freedom, I mean freedom from sin, freedom from this world, freedom from condemnation. Freedom from hell, freedom from the lake of fire, freedom from Satan, freedom from doubt, freedom from discouragement, freedom from the chains of this carnal world, freedom from hurt and heartbreak, freedom from sin, freedom from death, and freedom from hell. The freedom that God gave to us. The freedom is the salvation that Jesus has extended to us. The freedom that Jesus Christ gave to us, the freedom that Jesus had to pay for us when he came to this earth, bore the sin and the shame, hung upon a tree for all to see. When I say freedom, I'm talking about the salvation that has been given to you and me. I'm talking about freedom of calling upon the name of Jesus, begging him to come into our lives, begging him to come into our hearts and save us from sin. Why have we forgotten to be thankful for our freedom? We almost have become entitled. We feel like because we've, we're saved, God owes us something. When in reality, we owe God everything. We've taken the gift of God for granted. We have taken the price that Jesus paid for us for granted. I hope you understand God granted us freedom from condemnation. We no longer have to worry about the condemnation that is going to be given to people who don't trust in Christ. You have received the freedom that only God can give, the freedom from condemnation and death and hell. Don't ever forget to be thankful for the gift of freedom. Secondly, thankful for forgiveness. Thankful for forgiveness. Uh, please turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I'm just going to be reading one verse, but you all know the story, the, the story of the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. And all the, all the Pharisees and all the religious leaders all around, they tried to gather around and try to trick Jesus into stoning this woman and condemning her to death while Jesus had something different in mind. And John 8, verse number 11, it says, let's read verse 10 actually as well. It says, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Verse number 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. 
like I said, the scribes and Pharisees, they're trying to stump Jesus here. And then we obviously know Jesus kneels down in the sand and the, all of them start to go away. But here we see that Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. We see that God gave this woman forgiveness. Even though this woman was involved in a heinous sin and a wicked sin, Jesus offered his hand of forgiveness. He didn't condemn the woman. He didn't hold the woman, uh, woman's past away. He didn't hold her to her sin that she had just committed. He forgave the woman and didn't hold her to, to any of her mistakes. That's the same God we serve. The fact is, even though we have received the gift of freedom that Jesus has given to us, even though we have been saved and asked Jesus into our heart, we still can't fall into sin. We still mess up and we still make mistakes. But we serve a forgiving God. We make mistakes time and time again and fail God time and time again. I've failed him so many times. We let God, I let God down so many times. We let God down so many times. We turn to sin. We fall to sin. We mess up. Yet we serve a God who, can, who we can run to and turn to at any time, fall on our knees and ask him for forgiveness. And the amazing part is our Savior will forgive us. He's not going to hold it to us. He's not going to hold our sin to us. He's not going to hold our past to us. If we ask for forgiveness, he will forgive us. He, he, he won't hold us to our mistakes. He won't hold us to our past flawed, flaws. God forgives our sins and our mistakes are forgiven. We can have forgiveness. Thank God for the forgiveness that we don't ever deserve. Be thankful for the forgiveness that God has given to us. Next, number three, thankful for faithfulness. Thankful for faithfulness. John chapter 6, please, really quick. John chapter 6, verse number 20, uh, really quick. It says, but he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Here. Is a story, you know, Jesus just fed the multitude and he sends his disciples across the sea and there's a crazy storm and the, the disciples aren't sure that they're going to make it across the sea or not. Then all of a sudden we see a faithful Savior who shows up walking on the water towards the disciples in danger. How amazing is it that we serve a faithful Savior? When we are lost in the storms of life, when it, feels like, when it feels like we might be lost in the storms of life, when it feels like we might drown in the storms of life, and when we have personal stuff we don't understand, we have times that are tough, when we have things we don't understand, we have a faithful God who is always right there for us, who has all the answers to all our problems, who has all the answers to all our questions. We serve a Savior that wants to keep us safe, a Savior that will come to our rescue every single time. And why do we take that for granted? Why do we forget about that? Throughout our life, there will be unfaithful people in our life. We will have friends who leave, family who leave, employees, anyone. People will leave. Many different people in this life will come and go. We're always so focused on the people that do come and go and the bad in our lives and all the bad things that happen. We complain about the unfaithfulness. But I'm thankful that even though people in this life will come and go, even though, even though bad times will come and go, even though people will turn their backs, there's one person who will never turn their back on us, and that's our faithful father. That's God. He is our faithful father, our faithful friend. Storms may come, mountains may rise, valleys will come and go, but our God will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us always at the highest peaks of our lives and the lowest valleys of our lives. Our God is faithful. He will never, ever leave you. Take some time today and think about how faithful our God is to us. He doesn't have to listen to our prayers every day, yet he still chooses to. He doesn't have to bless us as much as he does, yet he still chooses to. He doesn't have to comfort us when we're going through the problems in our life, when we're going through our own personal problems that we caused. He doesn't have to comfort us, yet he still chooses to. One person who will be faithful your entire life is Jesus Christ. Don't take him for granted. Remember to be thankful for the faithfulness of our Savior. Lastly, I'm just about done. Number four, uh, please turn to John chapter 13. Number four, thankful for 
fellowship. Thankful for fellowship. I'll read through these first few verses really quickly. Verses number one through five, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Here we have the story. Obviously, we all know it. Jesus washes his own disciples' feet after the Last Supper. He washes his own disciples' feet. He was having fellowship with them. You know, I think it would be a little weird tonight if I walked in here and I saw Brother Kent George washing uh, Brother uh, uh, Don, uh, Don Kuntz's feet tonight. I probably would be a little creeped out by that and a little disgusted. But, but yet Jesus humbled himself to the fellowship to wash his, his disciples' feet. Back then, you know, it was even more dirty. Their feet were disgusting probably with that dirt and that dust. And Jesus took the time and washed their feet. He wanted fellowship with his disciples. He wants fellowship with you and me today. He wants fellowship with you and me today. Being thankful for the fellowship that he, we have with Christ. Being thankful what God, that God wants to have fellowship with us, that God wants to spend time with us. Our God wants to have fellowship with you and me. He wants to have fellowship. He wants to have a relationship with you and me. He wants to stir your and mine hearts and move in us. He wants us to be dwelling in the Bible and gleaning in his word, studying his word. He wants us to have fellowship with him. He wants us to be praying and talking to him, to be carrying our burdens to him, because he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be friends with you. He wants to befriend you. Yet we neglect him in, we, in the fellowship he wants for the small things. We don't want to have fellowship with our forever faithful friend who has forgiven us and given us freedom. Do you realize that we are just a speck? A speck on this earth, a speck of God's creation. He doesn't need us. He doesn't have to have a relationship with us. Yet he wants a relationship with you and me. He wants to be close with us. He wants us to be his friend. He wants us to be his son or daughter. Why are we not thankful for that? Why do we not seem to care about that anymore? Be thankful for the fellowship that God has given to us. Choose today to grow your relationship with God. Begin to have fellowship with Christ. Have fellowship with Jesus. He wants to have fellowship with you. So... Before I end, I pray one of these points stick with you today and you meditate on these points. Be thankful for one of these points. I mean, not even, maybe, maybe it's not one of these points. There's so many things to be thankful for today. Find something to be thankful for. But don't be complacent and remember to be thankful. Thank you. Before I say anything, no, me and Grant did not intentionally match. Just want to clarify that. Uh, but uh, I just want to thank Preacher for allowing me to have this opportunity. Thank, thankful for Grant and Erica as uh, they take up the uh, honor and opportunity to, to preach as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119, verse 46. Psalm 119, 46. And it says here, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. When I read that verse, and will not be ashamed, I think, man, speak of thy testimonies before, the, before kings and will not be ashamed. And when I say show it, I mean showing our testimonies, showing our, showing our, uh, our uh, stories. And I, I like to use the word stories a lot when, when I talk about testimonies. Because for me, as, as a kid, 14 years old, my dad went to prison. Okay. God gave me that story. I was at camp. I was sitting in the back, 
and I was, and, and I, I, it was Brother Judah, he was preaching, and I looked into the woods, and it was just dark. And it made me think, that's, that's my world right now. That's my world. Then I looked over to the, all these kids. I looked to Brother Judah. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So, so I was like, God was like, hey, Travis, you got a story. Now use it. You got a story. Now use it. So three things, how we can show it. As Christians, we started to hide our stories. So number one, show it for the world to see. We've hid our stories. We, we hide behind closets. We, we go behind doors, and, and, we, and we, might, you know, we might read our Bible a couple times a day. We, we, might, we might do this and this and this, and then we go out, and we, and we, we put on this suit and tie. We, we put on our, our best clothes, our best dress, right, and we, and we show the world, okay, yeah, yeah, this, that's, not, that's, not tr- that's not true Christianity. That's not, that's not showing them who you truly are. We put a fake face on so we can get approval from the world. But the last part is, will, and will not be ashamed. What are we so ashamed of? What are we ashamed of? The de- the, I mean, the devil has lost countless times to God. Has countless times. I, I can't even, in the book, the Bible, I mean, I have yet to read a story where the devil wins. I have yet to read a story where the devil wins. Countless times God has won. Man, what a God we serve. And number two, show it for the next generation. And it makes me think of a verse in Joel 1, verse 3. Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. I, I, go, I go downstairs every Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, and I teach those kids. Because God has commanded me to go teach those kids for the next generation. Not, not just for me, not for, not, not for other people. I'm doing it for the next generation. Wow, what a, what a, what a turn this world has gone. This country has gone downhill fast. And I ask myself, well, let's be honest. Some of us might not be setting the best example as a Christian for the next generation. Not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing at fingers. I'm pointing at myself too. What will the next generation have if we're not there? If we're not, if we're not, if we're not, hey, hey, children, Come. Hey, look, look what God has for you. Hey, look, your life could be, could be fantastic. Your life could be this if you just follow God. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow God. God's got a life for the next generation. For the next generation. Number three. And when, and when, we, when we show for the world, when, when we show the world what God has for us and what, they ha- what, what God has for them, and when we show for the next generation, he'll show us. He'll show us. When we show, when we show, when we continue to show, he'll show a way for us to continue down a road that he has. He'll continue and, 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 and pave a way for us to live a life that we've never imagined. All we, we got to do is just stay faithful and continue to show. Continue to show, hey, children, come. Hey, next generation. Hey, hey, God's over here. God wants you. Wide open arms right here. Come on. Be that light. Man, I, and I sit here and I, and I think, and I go home and I, I look at the kids across the street. And I'm like, man, if only these kids knew. Oh, wait. I could be that guy. Oh, Okay. 
So, so what I do is I go up to them, hey, let's play basketball. If they, got a, if they got a rim outside their house, let's play basketball. I win, you come to church with me. You lose, I'll leave you alone. I win every time. I win every, I'm a, I mean, call me Shaq, but I mean, I win every time, right? 19 against a 7-year-old kid, yeah, you know, dominating. It's, come, somebody give me a trophy, please. Uh, <laughs> but if we, if we continue to show and we, continue to, and we continue to say, hey, God's got this life for you. All you got to do is just look. Come to him. He'll show us a way. So number one, show for the world to see. Number two, show for the next generation. Number three, he will show us. Thank you. I feel like Darian Morales. Two twins and then I'm just here, you know. I didn't get the memo. I could borrow preacher's blue tie, but I mean, I don't want to take out from him. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 15. This morning we sang all sorts of songs about stories. The choir sang, sing the story. Um, I want to share my story with you. When you get to Genesis chapter 15, hold your spot there and go back over to Matthew. I'm going to be talking about generational faithfulness. And I think it's fitting that one of Grant's points with faithfulness and one of Travis's points was generation. I, the way God works with the, with the multiple messages a night is just really, really cool. I think I say that every time I'm up here. <clears throat> My testimony starts back in October of 1967, which is not the year that any of you thought my testimony started. Um, back in that year, my grandpa was 12 years old and he got saved. Three years later, the broils started bringing my grandpa to church. They got him his first Bible. They sat with him. They had many devotions together. They talked about the Bible, and they made him a lot of milk and cookies. My testimony continues 18 years later after a lot of faithfulness from my grandparents into my mom when she got saved when she was five years old in 1988. That's where my testimony continues. Then 22 years later, because of the faithfulness of my grandparents and the faithfulness of my parents, I got saved at five years old. And that's the generational faithfulness. We see in Matthew chapter 1, can you turn there really quickly? In verse number 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now bear with me. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Phares, and Zerah, and Thamar. And Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nassan, and Nassan begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Booz of Rachab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Roboam, and Roboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Josaphat, and Josephat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Ahaz, and Ahaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manasseh, and Manasseh begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jechonas, nope, Jechonias, I, I swear I looked at all these, 
and his brethren. About that time, they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jechonius begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zorobabel, and Zorobabel begat Abiud, and Abiud begat Eliakim, Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliud, and Eliud begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, I have never heard somebody preach from that passage and read off all those verses, and I now know why. Um, reading all of those in front of all of you was a lot of fun. Hop over to Genesis 3. Generational faithfulness is my message. Three weeks ago, Toby got up here and he preached, and he said, here's my testimony. My testimony is very simple. I grew up in church. I got saved at a young age. I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol. Some people call my testimony boring. Toby and I's testimony starts 56 years ago. Our testimony is not boring. Our testimony is very powerful. Just like in Matthew 1, that is very similar to Toby and I's testimony. Those generations of faithfulness. In Genesis 15, starting in verse number 1, we see... After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is, the, is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed it, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Jump down to verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The generational faithfulness that's, that we read about in Matthew 1, when it starts with Abraham, started in Genesis chapter 15. I want to give a few context clues for this, for this passage this passage is called the Abrahamic Covenant. I learned about that in my first semester at school. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. Covenant. It's God saying, I'm giving you Israel. Your, seed, your, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars. This is what I'm giving to you. And in that, in that time, what they would do when somebody made a, made a statement like that, that was like, okay, you just told me you're going to do this, what they would do is they would cut a covenant. That was what they did. So for us, 
if God made that statement to us. And then we see in verse number nine, uh, eight, Abram says, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? That's Abram saying, okay, I believe you. We see in verse number six that Abram believed God, but he said, how can I fully believe you? It's very similar to the New Testament when the, when the man said, I believe you, but Lord, help mine unbelief. That's a, it's a very, it's a parallel there. D uh, Abram is saying, how can I believe this? And God says, let's cut a covenant. So he took three animals from the field and he split them in half. And he would make like a pathway with them. When, when it says he divided the pieces, Abram would lay the goat, the heifer, the ram. He would lay them in a half of their body on this side, half of their body on this side. And when they were cutting the covenant, they would walk, the two men would walk in that blood and they would get the blood on their robes and they would state the terms of this covenant. And when Abram, when Abram was told to get these animals, he knew exactly what God was doing. He, we're cutting a covenant. So Abram prepared the animals. He prepared that pathway for them to walk. And he started defending that pathway. We see in, in verse number 11, and the fowls came down upon the car carcasses. Abram drove them away. So he's, he's waiting for God. He knows that God needs to be down here to walk with Abram through this pathway. And he's saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm, I'm getting these, these birds that are coming down, these buzzards that are trying to eat the carcasses. I'm getting them away. I'm waiting for you. In verse 12, it says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now, I think on a very quick sidebar, I think a lot of us as Christians need to be so comfortable with God that big covenants like this, we get as vulnerable as if we're sleeping. There's not a more vulnerable, pla vulnerable place you can be than sleeping. You're completely at the will of whoever's awake. You're at the will of God. And that was where Abram was. He was asleep and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And verse 17, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. That is God. That is a manifestation of God on the earth. The burning, the burning lamp, the smoking furnace, that's God. And God is walking between those pieces of, of animals. He's cutting that covenant on his own. Abram is asleep. Abram is not walking the, in, the, in, the, in the cut of the covenant. That's important for several reasons, because when you're laying out the covenant, and you're walking, and you're stating the terms, say Austin and Toby, they're, uh, Toby's selling Austin land, so they're walking between those pieces, and Toby says, Austin, I'm selling you this land, you're giving me this much money now, you're going to give me this much money later, that's what we're doing, or let us be like these animals. That's what they're saying with the, with the sacrifice that they made, that's what they're saying. And then Austin says, I'm, I'm buying this land, I'm giving you this much money now, I'm going to give this much money to you later, and if I don't do that, let me be like these animals. That's what cutting a covenant is. So when God, when God came down to the earth in the form of the smoking furnace and the burning lamp, he sees Abraham, Abram asleep, not quite Abraham yet. He see, sees Abram asleep, and he cuts the covenant by himself. The importance of that is that not only was he saying, Abram, I'm giving you this land. I'm going to make your descendants like the stars. I'm doing all this, and if I don't, let me be like these animals. That's what God is saying by walking, walking this line. But because he did it by himself, he's also saying, Abram, in verse number six, he counted it to him for righteousness. He's saying, Abram, if you don't stay righteous, that's on me too, because I'm walking this by myself. If you don't stay righteous, I will be like these animals. That's what God is saying, because he chose to walk that alone, because Abram was asleep, that's what God is saying. He says, 
Abram, I'm holding up your end of the, go- of the covenant. I'm holding up my end of the covenant. Now, has God broken the covenant with Abram? Ever. Abraham. He gave him Israel. He gave, I mean, the descendants, the amount of Jews that there are, that's what God gave Abram. He has not broken that covenant. He's never going to break that covenant. Did Abraham break the covenant with God? Yes. Chapter 16, he goes into Hagar and breaks the covenant. Next chapter. Now, the the question that we gather from that is, did God die? Yes. Generational faithfulness. 42 generations later, they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's the generational faithfulness. Did God die? Yes. Was God like these animals? Yes. These animals, flesh torn apart. God, in the form of Jesus, flesh torn apart. The rivers of blood that they walked through, that their robes were soaking in, to to seal that covenant, like the rivers of blood that poured out of Jesus. The generational faithfulness that we read about in Matthew 1 starts in Genesis 15. Because God chose to do that for Abraham, he chose to do that for all of us. We were not present, we were not sleeping by, by where the sacrifice was, but God still made that covenant with all of us. Because when Jesus came, 42 generations later, 42 faithful generations of God later, Jesus died. His flesh was torn, his blood poured, he died. My message doesn't have points, but I do have two meanings for it. Number one, God's generational faithfulness. That's what we can see from from Genesis 15 all the way through Matthew 1. But the second thing that we can get from my message is our generational faithfulness. God made the covenant with Abraham. He said, if you follow this, I'm going to do all this for you. And if Abraham never broke the covenant, we'd be in a different position. He didn't break the covenant, so God didn't have to die. Now, I know that Adam caused the sin, so there, was, there need, needed that sacrifice. But the Abrahamic covenant is, is another parallel of that. And so if Abraham didn't break that covenant, would, it, would we have a different Bible story here? The answer is yes. So not only is it God's generational faithfulness, but it's our generational faithfulness. 56 years ago, when my grandpa got saved, that's when the generational faithfulness in my family began. I don't know the, the Christianhood before that. I know, I mean, back in that day, everybody was Christians. Everybody went to church, all that. But that's, I mean, as far as we know, my, grand, my great-grandpa was not in church. My great-grandma was not in church. My grandpa is where the generational faithfulness started. And that's what my testimony is. My testimony is generational faithfulness. My story is generational faithfulness. Let's pray.
Thank you. 
Thank you. 